You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s wanting to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. Matt Leg, the legend, the man, is back in the house. <laughs> so happy to have you here. And a really quite an interesting topic, very controversial. And we trust that you'll cut through all of the noise and give us the truth. So Ooh. welcome. Oh, thank you. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> we never put pressure on you, Matt. I love it. You always bring the goods. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about fat loss and detox today. Okay. And the lovely Tinker Bale is going to ask you the first question. <laughs> so, Matt, tell us some common beliefs about fat loss that are completely false. Oh, well, oh, that's a tricky one. The, one. the most common belief, well, what, what triggers the adaptation of fat loss is that whole calories in to calories out. And the, the myth is that that's a simple mathematical equation. <laughs> because basically everyone's got different calorie yield from our food. Like, for example, if we have an overgrowth of firmicutes in our stomach, lactobacillus acidophilus style ones from eating too much yogurt or staying on the boob for too long, you will actually increase your calorie yield from your food by about 20%. Whoa. So, and then if I cook my rice today, steamed fresh rice, and I eat it fresh while it's perfect, then I'll get a certain amount of calories from it. But if I cook that rice with oil by adding extra oil to it and then I let it sit overnight, then it'll create resistant starch and I'll get 50% less of the carbohydrate absorbed. So if I go and count my calories with my rice and then add on to my oil, there's more calories. But the reality is if I eat it that day, there's more calories. The next day, 50% less. Wow. So, for example, I might get less calories out of a fried rice than a steamed rice. Is that crazy? Like, oh, that's just so, blown my mind. Yeah. So if we look at like calories in, like, how, like Ooh, so, yes. Yeah. So the way to burn fat is to be in a calorie deficit where you burn more calories than you consume. But how do we calculate the calories in when there we have that sort of variation in food processing? Like raw food gives you more calories than cooked food, uh, less calories than cooked food. Like, so the method of cooking, the method of preparation, how we eat it, when we eat it determines, and what our microbiome in will determine what our calorie yield is. Then our calorie yield, in most cases, you'll know this, Isaac, from working with people all the time for fat loss, but mm -hmm. often our calorie in will determine our calorie out. So for our calorie, meaning that if we don't eat enough, we can go into starvation, yep. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we eat a little bit more, we actually increase our metabolic rate and burn yeah. a little more. Yes. So the truth is calories in, calories out is determines if you're going to get bigger or smaller, but how to calculate those calories in and out is very variable and different to anyone. And the reality is, is what they typically do will just get you started and then adjust later. We'll see if it works or not. So it's, it's not a perfect science. Anyway. So it really comes down to people need to stop relying on what's outside of them. So start with, yes, so calories in, calories out, and then move on to test and measure it themselves. Yes. Are they Take some self-responsibility and are they getting results? If not, something needs to change and they need yep. to figure out what that is. Yeah, and the biggest myth I could probably say, just I just thought of then when you're saying it, what works for me doesn't is going to work for you. 
That is the biggest myth. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it worked for me, it's going to work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, then you're lazy. But we have different <laughs> microbiome. Exactly. We've got different microbiome. We've got different body composition. We have different hormone profile, thyroid hormone, different reproductive hormones. Sometimes the coaches are even enhanced athletes. They might be there loaded up on all sorts of Ronnie Coleman style protocols, uh, you know, you know, on all the gear. And then all of a sudden they can make a slight change to their calories in and out and they get significant results, but it doesn't mean their customers are going to. Wow. So, yeah. And that, that was the, the fascinating thing that a lot of listeners and my clients, it gave them such relief to say, oh, I'm doing everything right. Why aren't I losing weight? There's one particular client We've been training for over years. She's doing pretty much like 95% everything right. Maybe a couple of wines on the weekend, but really, really good. Has not dropped a gram. Yeah. And then she did the micro, the microbiota test. Oh, yeah. The insights, microbe insights. Yep. Zero acomansia. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. and, I have above average. I'm happy to yes, say. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> and, and, you know, how they, they give you a score of health, which you don't want to take as gospel. Oh, yeah. As the naturopath that you spoke to yesterday, Tink, saying yes. it's a measure, but we it's important that you talk to a naturopath about your results. But hers was like down to 25%. And yeah. she has terrible gut issues and has to restrict so many foods. So yeah. cut a long story short, she real issue with parasites. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And so what's uh, also interesting about that is when we talk about deficiencies in microbes, our gut, our wall is it's pretty much like fully coated. Like we are full of bugs. You know, like you, when you go to the toilet, you poop, uh, 10 to 20% of the dry matter of your poop. And that's a dry matter of your poop. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's after you wring the water out of it. So that 10 to 20% of what's left is actually the dead bugs you've got you, that's overflowing from inside you. Mm. So often when you see someone that has no acomansia, it's because the actual mucosal binding sites for acomansia are full of something else. And often you'll look at imbalances and patterns. This is why it's important to get a naturopath to analyze these things. Because, for example, if you've got low acomansia, but you might have high levels of candida, you know, fungi or high levels of parasites, then it's actually like if you you look at your gut like a lawn and when you see these bad bugs through it, you would imagine a lawn just covered in weeds. Mm. So like if I was to come up to your lawn covered in weeds and go, oh, I don't have any acomansia, I'm going to throw some acomansia seeds down here. It's not as if they're going to make the weeds get up and leave. So this is where we have to do all this other work to change the microbiome to make space for the acomansia. So that way when you're doing that life, and for all the people out there, acomansia we've mentioned a few times, but what it actually does is it gives you everything you need to liberate energy. So it burns, it stimulates fat burning, it stimulates the ability to burn oxygen for fuel, which is important for burning all kinds of fuel, including fat. It helps to generate ketone bodies, and that the major fuel for when you're not enough carbohydrate, preferred source fuel for your brain. So Akamansi is great for performance, great for fat burning, great for a faster metabolism. So if you don't have any, it makes it pretty hard That's to stimulate the growth. And you did mention in another podcast mm-hmm. that in the way to increase acomansia is fasted cardio. Yes, yeah, intermittent fasting and lots of polyphenols. 
So they talk about things like resveratrol, which comes out of the red wine. So there you go. If they're mm-hmm. doing a bit of oh, wine, hello. as long as they're doing the good quality wines and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, it should actually help with the resveratrol. You also get similar thing out of whiskies and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily saying they're the only things, but you also get out of like most of your grapes, um, you know, grape pomace and a lot of your fruit and vegetables, pomegranates, cranberries, those sort of things, shisandra, they all are polyphenols. And what's crazy about it is polyphenols don't directly stimulate acomensia. They actually kill off the other bugs. So it's actually the oh, way wow. that a lot of these herbs support acomensia is by making space for acomensia. Oh, so that way if you're doing amazing. your intermittent fasting and you're doing your exercise and you have space for it to grow, mm. it can grow. So it's like getting rid of the weeds out of the lawn. Yep by poisoning them out, yes. then it gives space for the actual turf to be able yeah. to expand. And using a probiotic for that would be just like throwing grass seeds at those weeds and expecting the grass seeds to, the weeds to just get up and leave because you threw grass seeds there. That's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, grass seeds not going to push a weed out. Throwing something good at something bad isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah, right. yeah you got to kill the bad. Right. <laughs> so you kill the bad by the... Polyphenols and... And the colour-rich mm. vegetables. You know, yes. They're, they're deep, like not yeah. just... Iceberg lettuce, but go for the greener. Yeah, 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 those sort of things. Any, it's typically you'll find it the outer leaves of things, the outer the peels, um, the seeds, and that. And the what the reason why is because our plants and in nature, there's microbes everywhere. Yeah, you know, the ground's full of dirt and mold and yeah. microbes. So, and those microbes want to get to the sugar inside the food. So to protect the sugar mm. inside the food from the bacteria feeding on the sugar the skins and the peels and the outside of the seeds, the outside of the new fresh shoots and roots, the outer leaves of the plants and those sort of things, they contain these poisons to protect the inner carbohydrate mm-hmm. from the, the bugs that are going to feed on it. And that's the coolest thing. When we eat things close to nature and without being processed, because when they process things to make them taste better, the outside bit, that's where you get all the tenons and that astringent, you know, the bitter stuff that makes yeah. your mouth go dry and mm. that funny textures that you get. And they're also the things that can create the gut changes, you know, like the pectins and that sort of stuff in the apples will get the bowels going, you know mm. what I mean? So mm. they've basically bred our food to be seedless and thin skins with higher sugar, less fiber, and it's the fiber that holds these polyphenols. And so that's where you'll find them. And it's very smart. We eat the food. And then when the bugs in our gut try to get to the sugar, they've got to get through the poison as well. And so that's how it works. Yeah. Wow. And, and so many poisons are actually a similar shape to sugar. So when you actually look at some of the most powerful poisons, so like a lot of the poisons that might be in mushrooms, like the beta-glucans, they resemble a sugar. Uh, like reishi mushrooms, active ingredients, polysaccharides, same as echinaceas, and they, they have these polysaccharides. They're large sugar chains. And what's crazy about it is someone's been, have you ever seen the, those FODMAP diets or yes. something? Yeah. So they'll tell you to avoid all the FODMAPs, which is fructose, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, mono, you know, all those sort of mm-hmm. long sugar chains. They tell you to avoid those things because they're long sugars that are going to feed the bugs. But some of those long sugars include the sugars in things like the reishi mushrooms and the herbs that actually we need to use to kill the buggers. That's how they work. Wow. So, There's a rubber yeah. hole. <laughs> oh, isn't it? So, the, so in summary, the, the common beliefs about fat loss that are completely false, yeah. uh, the one size fits all is not necessarily yeah. true. Yep. That calories in, calories out isn't necessarily true. No, well, calories in and calories out is true. 
Right. But it's not as simple as right. they make so it, it out goes that we further. can quickly calculate your yeah. calories in and we can quickly use your muscle mass to calorie to determine your calories out. That's not the truth. So it's a great starting point, but mm. the best thing to do would be to get a microba insights test oh, or yeah. yep. check their gut microbiome. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it. But typically just working with a coach because, I mean, even if you don't, like if you just work with a coach, that can actually measure and monitor things and have an indication if you get if your changes are a positive adaptation or a negative adaptation. So are we getting better or worse? When we lose this weight, are we losing muscle or fat or fluid, uh, you know? Yes. So you need those sort of coach to monitor those sort of things to be able to know when you make changes what's changing because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's basically getting... Yeah, it's easier to steer a moving horse. You know, so you basically get the thing started mm. yes. and then you'll manipulate it from there. Basically increase calories, decrease calories, increase calorie burn, decrease it depending on how they respond to the treatment. The big thing that we can do with our gut is to basically inter- include into that things like intermittent fasting, other specific diets like eating with the season. And um, I'll tell you another re- really interesting thing with fat loss, the rebound weight gain. So again, when we're talking about microbiome, if we consider that our microbiome is designed to eat with the seasons, say for example, we have a fruit tree that goes crazy in my backyard, then I'll binge on that. The microbiome will thrive on those foods for a period of time. But then that fruit stops. So those microbes that are designed to eat that food, if that food disappears, they don't just die and disappear, they wait. And they can wait up for nine months for that food to come back because that's typical when the seasons change. Yeah. But they don't no guarantee the season's going to come back. So they throw a heap of spores out there that live for ages and just wait, waiting for that food to come back. So you imagine if you're doing a diet campaign, things are going well, you cut your carbs and all that sort of stuff, for example, to get your calories down. Then you want to reward yourself with a cheat meal. The gut bugs think fruit season's back. So all these gut bugs come back, plus all the spores hatch. So the same bugs that help to create your before photo, because remember, if your microbiome's determining your metabolic rate, your calories in and out, to a certain degree, your microbiome's determining your um, body composition. Mm. And we know for studies in rats that we can actually give a, an obese, obesogenic you know, microbiome to a skinny rat and make it fat. Wow. Yeah, and we can Oof. give an anorexogenic. <laughs> we can, basically, you can give a microbe, change a microbiome in a rat and you can make it fat or skinny. Well, you know, and that sort of stuff. So we know that we can change it. But now imagine if while you're losing all your weight, your gut microbiome is just laying dormant, waiting for the food to come back. Yeah. The moment the food comes back, all the microbiome comes back, your metabolic rate goes back to the way it was before you did your dieting, your body composition goes back to the way it was and often worse. Yes, often worse. We see this a lot yeah. in the yeah. body competition so, arena. you want to know the trick? Yes. The key is whenever we're starving our gut bugs by cutting back the carbs, we want to put the poison in to poison them off so that they die off. So when you come back and you put your food, when you're finishing your diet, you've changed your microbiome to be a microbiome that's more appropriate for the food that you were eating when you lost weight. Not holding on to the microbiome that you had oh, before amazing. you lost weight because yeah. it's the microbiome that's determined to make you go back the way they were. Yeah, so that's, that's a really important. So poisoning with polyphenols. Now, this is the next bit it leads on to. When you get a craving as part of a fat loss campaign, who's craving it? Yes. Yeah, is it the microbiome? Because yes. the yeah, microbiome, yeah. I mean, man, think about what, how powerful. We, we know microbiome can change your moods and your brain and your reward centers and everything like that. So you know for a fact that your microbiome can make you think things. Yeah. So when you're getting a craving for a weird food like a lactose, 
or something like that that happens to be the favourite food for these particular bugs. You know, we just need that ice cream or something like that after the mm. dessert. These are the bugs telling you to do it. Now you have an option at that point in time to go, the hard bit is for people that don't know this. They might be thinking, oh, man, if I, this is my metabolic rate telling me I'm starving. If I don't eat, then my metabolism, I'm going to go into starvation mode. Or, and then going, oh, is it my glycogen depleted? Or, you know, do I need more? Is it, I'm just starving. Will it be good? Should I reward myself? I deserve it. You know, all that sort of things that go around when these people are getting the cravings. But one thing that not many people consider is it's not even me craving this. This is that bug that made me fat making me want to eat this to make me fat again. And this is your chance to poison that bug because he's really hungry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's survival of his, yeah. his species. Yeah. So that bug is yeah. sitting there trying to trick you into feeding it. Yeah. So here's yeah. something that came up for me, and I was really interested in the mindset around mm. defying biology when I did stay on stage stuff. And I noticed that whenever I had a craving, like I felt incredibly hungry, but mm. I knew I had enough fuel and I did not buy into the story that was going on in my mind that I was hungry and I needed to eat X, Y, and Z, the next day I dropped fat. Is yeah. that because I actually killed off a bug? Maybe. Or a- maybe. Maybe you're because, like I was saying, the bugs could have been making you crave it. Your body didn't need it. Right. Like, yeah. And then the actual fact that you didn't eat it kept you in that calorie deficit that allowed you to get the thing. Plus, man, every time you feed a bug, it's creating compounds as well. Like a lot of the inflammation, a lot of the toxic stress that we have can come from feeding specific bugs and they're putting in toxic crap into our body that could create inflammation and yeah, toxicity, you know, that sort of stuff. Hmm. Here's something interesting for you. So I recently, based on your advice, Mm -hmm. went and had my test done with Microba, Mm -hmm. had the consult last night and what I thought the test results were and what they actually were were different so it's well worth getting the advice yeah and she said i didn't have enough butyrate oh yep and in order to fix the other imbalances just fix that one thing yeah but my prescription was i wasn't having enough carbs yeah yeah. That blew my mind, and I thought, you beauty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring it on. So butyrate, butyrate is a, a short-chain fatty acid. Um, it's one of the, it's like a ketone and that sort of stuff. So they have BHB is one of the ketones that drives our fuel. But butyrate is a, is a beautiful fuel for our gut lining. It's a fuel for our cells. It drives in so many wonderful processes, and it helps to heal over the gut wall. Very good anti-inflammatory on the gut, but it also works as a fuel for the muscle layer of the gut, you know, maintaining transit time and that sort of stuff. Tastes bloody terrible when you <laughs> supplement directly with it. But then again, it is made from the same things that make farts. So oh. you'd expect it to oh. taste that great. It's like eating farts. <laughs> yeah. We talked about crapsules and now yeah, eating now farts. Yeah, we're eating farts. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. So, yeah, so basically what we need to do is we need to increase the bugs that feed on your fiber, not just carbohydrates, but fiber. Mm. So they don't feed on simple sugars. The simple sugars get absorbed and just feed your bloodstream and diabetic feet and that sort of stuff. That what you do want to do is you get the complex carbohydrates, the starch and the sugars or resistant starch. Yes, they did say yeah. that. So what we were talking about earlier, you know, with the rice and the yes. oil in the fridge, that's resistant starch. She said cold rice, so Exactly, yeah. but you've got to make it with oil. Oh. Because it's actually she the didn't oil. Oh no. The best way to use the absorption method. Okay, yes. So you get your cup of rice or whatever, but uh, about a teaspoon of oil to a cup of rice. And the best one's MCT or something like that because it really sticks in there good. And then what happens is the oil mixes with the starch and it's got to be the oil mixes with the starch that creates a wax. 
and oh. the wax, you know, like a waxy maize, remember yes. this in the supplements? Yeah. That's just a resistant starch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you can make that out of pasta. You can make that out of rice. You can make that pretty much out of any starchy carb with a bit of oil if you cook it and then let it sit to get cold. It's got to get cold overnight. That's, uh, that's why they say cold potatoes, same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do yeah. you need to put, with the cold potato, do you put the oil with that as well? Yeah, yeah, yes. a little bit of oil. Okay. So you need a little bit of oil with the starch. I mean, there's some oils in these, but not enough. Uh, yeah, but typically, yeah, you put a little bit of oil with it and you make the resistant starch. Oh, yeah, so yeah. these are all things that yeah. I love. So my prescription, I was yeah, just yeah. overjoyed. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting <laughs> when you see a lot of traditional things that they're just done this way as well. Like even pasta and that sort of stuff, you know, like because I, when I was in Mackay and that, you know, it was a big Maltese community and I was learning all about this resistant starch, I'm going to ask, hey, anyone here make traditional pasta? Like, how do you actually do it? Do you like add oil and then let it sit? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes. And it was like, it was really quite interesting because wow. I started getting curious about a lot of, there's a lot of actual resistant starch available in our foods. We don't even, we're not even aware of it, you know. Like the, the green bananas is a great source. So when you have yeah. the green, a lot of, Unripe food has a lot of resistant starch. They're a bit nasty, though. How do you how do you do that? Like put them in a smoothie or something? I because know. I just buy the powder and put them in products. Oh, yeah, okay. You can just buy resistant starch because that wasn't a that recommendation. Sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think that what are they? That plantain and those sort of things they mm -hmm. do overseas. Yeah, a lot oh. of those green bananary things. Okay, full of resistant starch, but there's heaps of different ways of doing it. Hey, yeah. yeah. You spoke Brilliant. about intermittent fasting, and there's mm -hmm. lots of different windows. And times, what do you recommend for people? Ah, whatever works for you, really. I don't really know. I, I, I've all my theory. This is my theory. Mm -hmm. This is just a theory. Yeah. In the mornings, we have a higher cortisol spike in the morning. Yeah. That cortisol spike maintains a certain amount of blood sugar. It's designed to get us up and out and hunting and gathering or whatever to start the day. So in the morning, we're kind of designed to. We've got the, the hormonal profile to fast. Um, I also find that if we, I personally and most of my clients sleep better after a good meal. So I also find yeah. that, you know, so what I typically do is I'll allow people to eat right up until they go to bed, knowing that most people can get up at the morning and, you know, get up at five in the morning and still get through to like 11 in the morning without eating, you know? So it's quite yeah. easy to yeah. fast in the morning. Like so many people are just okay to skip brekkie. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've been convinced that brekkie is the most important meal of the day yeah. to start the diabetic process. But I think it's not, you know, so it's probably an easy one to skip. You know, it's a good one to have a failed hunting trip every once in a while and have an intermittent fasting. Yeah. yeah. How often do you recommend that? I was doing it once a week and got some good results, yeah. but sometimes I just really feel like fasting. My body just says no I think that's no the food. answer. I think that's the answer. Right. Intuitively, yeah. like just getting to that phase. You know, we know when we get to a level where we're eating too regularly and we're just not completely cleaning out. Mm. I mean, I was having a meeting before this. We were talking about colonic irrigation. But there was one of my clients once we put through for a colonic irrigation, eight kilos of poop came out. <gasps> that lady was regular every day. She pooped every day, but it was wow. just never complete. She was eating every few hours and then just pooping Every day, but never cleaning out. Eight kilos. You've seen a 10-litre bucket. Wow. That is Those unbelievable. a 10-litre bucket full of poop. That's a lot. She was carrying it around. So those typical buckets, Jeez. those cheap buckets are 10 litres. Imagine how she felt when she got on the scales. Oh, and my. Beauty. Oh, yeah. <gasps> She'd go for wow. a run. She'd be floating like Imagine a Imagine taking that Absolutely. bucket and just throwing it away. That's your little bloody ripper gone. Because, I mean, is, yeah. it, is it a case of you know when you've emptied when, I don't know about you, this might be TMI, but <laughs> yeah. I literally feel like I turn inside out like I'm... Oh. 
my yeah. my cheeks go in, and I'm like, Ooh. I don't know, but that was it, empty. Gets, it gets a little bit addictive though to have that empty. It like, does. Yeah, you really want that good clean out and that good purge. And you want to feel empty every once in a while, yeah. and give a chance to reload because we yeah. are most of us are overloaded with bugs. Like if you consider most gut problems, there's SIBO and the you know they do the FODMAPs for. SIBO is a bacterial overgrowth. Dysbiosis is an overgrowth. Candidiasis is an overgrowth. Most of these things are overgrowth. So very few times do we need to add more bugs. More often than not, we need to have a break where we go and kill the buggers mm. off. The only time we need to add them typically is after we've had big courses of antibiotics, big courses of food poisoning, mm-hmm. something that's pretty well stripped us inside out, and then we just need to put some in. Or if we've had a test and find specifically we don't have any. Problem is with Akkermansia, there's still no proven Akkermansia probiotic supplement. Yeah, you're saying yeah, There's a couple yeah. out there that have it, but it's a bit early to know if they actually do anything to live inside you. Yeah. 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 Well, let's get on to the detox conversation. Oh, yeah. So... How does detox play into health and is it actually necessary? Oh, it's a really good question. So that kind of boils it down to a lot of the definition because detoxification is a very broad term. Um, So detoxification, you know, the ability to eliminate things. (laughs) And we have a whole body system designed for detoxification. So many of our good healthy foods are full of poisons and that sort of stuff just naturally occurring. So it's something that it's a very important thing for us. So, but then there's also in modern society, we have the potential for like lead poisoning or mercury poisoning or aluminium poisoning or something like that. And in that instance, detoxification means something very specific, you know, where we want to detoxify lead from our system because we've been poisoned. So in that instance, a detoxification would be very specific using specific chelation agents to strip that stuff out while we're avoiding our exposure. But when we, most people are out there talking about it, I'm due for a detox or, you know, I yeah, I need to be a toxic, uh, I'm feeling toxic or something either, or, or my guts are full or sick or something like that. In most instances, what we're looking at is our detoxification pathways and that sort of stuff can get a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit knocked out of whack, okay, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So if we can, if we look at, let's... Uh, I'll say the liver, but it's, it's not the liver. Like we have these phase one and phase two detox pathways. Yep. So if we just consider this very basic concept, phase one detoxification happens all over our body, not the liver. But let's just accept that. Okay. <laughs> but now, so I don't have to keep talking about the liver because that's where everyone goes, oh, but what about the kidneys? So anyway, so phase one is designed to take toxins uh, that are maybe fat soluble or really bad and convert them into a water soluble form. So that way we can clear them from the body, okay? Once they're water-soluble, you know, you can froth at the mouth, sweat, vomit, diarrhea, purge, just get this stuff out somehow. Phase two detox is designed to conjugate that toxin, meaning that they'll add like a brick to it or something. They'll add something to it to deactivate that toxin so that that toxin can sit in the bowels or sit in the urine or go through your lymph without being highly reactive, okay? So hopefully that's making mm. sense so far. Yes. So mm. phase one is designed to make things water-soluble so you can purge it out quickly. Yeah. Phase two is the way of just cleaning up the mess to make it efficient, okay? Now, the problem is the way to speed up phase one detox, okay, is toxic exposure, number one. So the more exposure to toxins you have, now that could include coffee, um, teas, um, any form of caffeines, alcohol, medications, drugs, and even a lot of herbs and that sort of stuff. Things will stimulate phase one. Stress 
stimulates phase one. Inflammation and immune activity stimulates phase one. So many things drive up phase one, and that's an innate defense mechanism. Yeah. So when we have a poison or we get bitten by a snake or something, yeah, ramp up phase one, we get exposure to poison, phase one goes really fast, let's just start purging this stuff and not wait for tomorrow's poop to get it out, we'll just start getting it out. So phase one typically goes faster and faster and faster really, really easily. Most people's phase one detox is going too fast, Okay which is probably another myth around detox. We'll get back to that later. Because okay. most people think, oh, I need to stimulate detox. No, phase one is usually running too fast. Wow. Now, phase in, most, in most people. In most people, because most people are exposure to immune activity, stress, toxic exposure. Your body can't afford to wait yeah. to see if your trigger is an emotional stress, an allergy, an infection, a poison, a venom, just in case you have been bitten, you know? So it can't yeah. afford to wait to see what the toxin is before it does an innate defense mechanism to protect you from that thing. So that thing typically, just in everyone, is potentially to run faster. Now, the only way you can speed up phase two is by supporting phase two pathways with nutrition, meaning that the phase two pathway is driven by B vitamins, um, amino acids from proteins and that sort of stuff. So that reminded me another myth to avoid all your meat and or they always cut out that stuff and go to juice. They cut out all the protein on a fast. That's madness. Phase two is driven by amino acids. You know, glycines in particular, there's heaps of glycine, heaps of taurine, um, all the other precursors that make things like glutathione and all these different pathways mm. drive phase two. Now, what happens in a lot of people is phase one just starts running too fast because of just toxic exposure and stress and blah, blah, blah. Phase two just can't keep up because we might be have nutritional deficiencies or a crappy diet or phase one just may be running simply too bloody fast. Then what happens is you get this stuff left over in between. So the liver's made a whole heap of crap water soluble wanting to get rid of it. Phase two can't keep up to deactivate it. So all of that rubbish then just goes and does a lap around your body in your lymphatic system, waiting for the phase two to put it into the bowels and the urine. So most people, when they're feeling toxic, and they're feeling puffy. So when they say, oh, I'm feeling toxic, often we're talking about like fluid retention, lymphatic congestion, or like itchy skin, or we have a hot yeah. shower, we get itchy, or go for a walk and our legs start itching. You know, um, like we have like headaches, we have frustration and irritability and a mm -hmm. feeling, and our guts don't work properly. Just feeling really off. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of that can come from phase one running too fast and phase two not keeping up. And these reactive intermediates that are left over in between roaming around your body looking for a way out, and in the meantime, are more reactive because they've been converted water-soluble. Yeah. And that's like the, the average person. Oh, 100%. So yeah. most people in that phase one, too fast, phase two, yeah. can't keep up, and then they'll go to, oh, I just need to do a juice fast. Yeah. Thinking... Juice is pure, meat is bad. Yeah, but what they've done is they've depleted all of their phase two conjugate like compounds. So they've got nothing to deactivate the toxins if you take out all your protein. And if you're actually creating nutritional deficiencies or not eating enough at all, like through fasting, detox. So the key to detoxification, so when we're saying, oh, so when your naturopath or, your nutri or whoever it is says we want to put you onto a bit of a detox diet or we want to you know, do that, um, for, to get rid of this fluid, to fix yeah. up your hormones. Because you've got to realise, if your hormones are running through phase one and not phase two, 
you can convert your estrogen into a more active form. Next thing you know, your hormones are going out. You've got endometriosis or like estrogen buildup because you can't clear it away. Mm. Yeah, and blokes will get the dihydrotestosterone pathway and getting all these acnes and baldness and like folliculitis and stuff like that. Mm. They're the sort of things that, oh, I'm feeling toxic. So when we're feeling it, so when they say you need to do a detox and because your, your, your toxic system's overburdened, the goal is to use things, antioxidant sort of herbs and stuff that slow down phase one. So a lot of these things that they talk about that are good for the liver, like um, St. Mary's thistle, you know, yep. Silimara and Shisandra, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, um, dandelion and those, are dandelion root, not leaf, that's the kidney. Yeah. So they all slow down phase one. And by if you did nothing else but slow down phase one, you'll feel less toxic. It's actually the best way to do detox is slowing down the cytochrome P450 pathways that have been sped up and you'll feel less toxic. So one of the big myths around the fat loss and detox is that people think you need to make your detox go faster, but it's actually not. We want to reboot. We we typically need to slow down the phase one pathways and we need to stimulate phase two pathways. So the whole plan around a detox diet is to reduce toxic exposure, reduce things that might be inflammatory or trigger an immune activity, which is why we typically would go eating clean and avoiding all the other comp- uh, crap that the immune system might have to fire up against. And that's the first thing is to cut back on the things that driving phase one to go fast. Then we load up on a few herbs that will slow down phase one while you're making sure you've got adequate nutrition to support phase two. And that phase two is like basically good nutrition, just all the boring shit. Yeah. And then by doing that through those phase one and phase two pathways, you take the burden off the lymphatic system, you take the burden off the immune system, and you take the burden off the kidneys, you take the burden off these other systems and allow your body to go and create good quality bile and good quality urine, and that's actually how you're going to eliminate those toxins through the organs that we have, but those organs require a little bit of nutritional support to make sure they're working efficiently. Not huge amounts because you've got to overload it, they've got to process that as well, So that's the concept behind detox. And when you do that, people will typically shed kilos based on fluid. They'll get rid of that lymphatic congestion. But don't forget, we mentioned things like hormones like estrogens. And estrogens can, to a certain degree, determine your body shape. Because if you're building a particular type of estrogen, that can actually hold fat and fluid on the hips and that sort of stuff, backs of the arms and everything. So it's a real thing. But it's just a different medical, different schools of medicine will have a different definition of what they yeah. think detoxification is. And when you ask the doctor, he's thinking about lead poisoning or mercury poisoning. They try not to talk about aluminium because they use it as a preservative and everything. <laughs> but the other stuff. No. <laughs> If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, jump into our free Facebook group where we share the best information, including behind the scenes of our podcast and coaching. Just search for the group Defy Your Numbers or email us at hi at agerebels.com and we will add you. Because it's really interesting because I do have a friend who lost a tremendous amount of weight doing 30 days juicing and one of the results of that is she ended up with a gallbladder issue from doing that and 
although it was great at the time and she watched the documentary on juicing, mm-hmm. et cetera, and, and did all the things and seemingly got healthier, but the long-term effect was extremely painful and detrimental. Yeah. Can you talk into that? Yeah. So the gallbladder, so basically what the gallbladder is, it's a little sac that sits under the liver. So your liver's constantly making bile. So your liver's constantly detoxing. I think what seven litres of blood every hour goes through your liver. So every drop of blood in your body pretty much goes through your liver every hour. And it's detoxifying things as it does. And as it does that, it puts it into the bile. And then the bile trickles, just a constant trickle out of the liver. So for the people that had their gallbladder removed, they actually don't get a chance. They just get this constant trickle of bile in through their bowels, which is why they never get to hold a big thing of bile. They never get to blast out bile. So what the gallbladder does is it holds the bile, concentrates it about 10 times to make it really acidic and really potent. Then whenever you eat fatty foods, the fat that hit, as the fat comes out of the stomach, that's what tells the bile to squirt out the bile. Okay. So the craziest Mm. thing is, so bile, to make good quality bile, we need phase one detox pathways to be normal and slow. We need phase two detox pathways to be adequate. Otherwise, your bile comes out like a gravelly, sludgy sort of stuff. It's not a thin, Mm. yellow sort of goo. So then you'll get stones. Okay. Mm -hmm. But also, if you take all the fat out of your diet, the gallbladder doesn't get the same stimulation to pump out this stuff. So it concentrates it too far and can actually hold that by just not getting that proper flow. The other thing is, is as the bile blasts out, bile is probably, I, I would say, the, the single most important thing to stop microbial overgrowth. Bile oh. is the most potent thing to kill bugs. This is why most probiotics don't work, because we take a supplement down orally and it goes in with your meals. Next thing you know, the bile just blasts out and just cooks it. Because um, what bile does is, bile, you know, like um, um, biofilm. And uh, so they, with our bugs that live in our guts, they create this stuff called biofilm. It's like dental plaque. You know, like yeah, the scaling yeah, yeah. on our teeth, that's yeah. a biofilm. So the bugs inside our guts can protect themselves with a biofilm shell. And bile comes out and it blasts holes in that biofilm. And that's how it works. And so the small intestine is supposed to get a big blast of bile, and that stops everything getting from the large intestine all the way up. And if you don't have good bile flow, then you get an overgrowth, and then you get constant bloating because you've got too many bugs. And that's so interesting because it, you have a look at – I've seen it over and over where people's like, no, I'm, I'm this super low-fat diet, mm. and it's so restrictive, and fat gives food its taste. Oh, 100%. You know? yeah. And so it's interesting that then the poor little, you know, the gallbladder doesn't get stimulated. Yeah. And then you get these stones. So the rigidity of I must be restrictive then ends up with gallstones. So yeah, exactly. Just the oh, whole psychology of it. too, you know. I mean, wow. So many things avoid. And what bugs me the most is that whole rubbish idea of being 10%, it, it was all a big scam. It's actually been published. So the the sugar lobby in America did a big business plan. Um, it's a business plan where they mm-hmm. actually believe that they could take 10 to 20% of the calories off fat and give it to sugar by creating all this story about fat creating cholesterol. Yeah. Oh, and this yeah. was done at Harvard yeah. University, guys, were paid 25 grand or something to create this document to say that sugar's great, fat is bad. Yeah. Because fat was always supposed to be 30% of your calories. They always worked out around about th- all the healthy, every, all over the world, the healthiest range is around 30% of your calories should come from fat. And it's you, what keeps you... 
gives you that satiety. I mean, look, so our you know? body's made of the bloody thing. We yeah. need it. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. essential components. Yeah. These are these are, they're called essential fatty acids. They're essential. We can't make them. We have to eat them. We have to get them. And if we don't, then we get deficiencies. We get mental and like you, your brain doesn't work. Your immune system doesn't work. All these things go yeah. terrible. Your cardiovascular system doesn't work. So then what they did, they did this rubbish American Heart Association diet where they did it, dropped it below 10, uh, 10% was the goal. Yeah. And then what happened is a 10% diet of fat, the triglycerides went up about 30% in three months and cholesterol went up about 20%. Yeah. And then they still, they've been pumping this diet out for the last 50 years. Yeah. Oh. They published all the papers to show that this whole concept was built from fraud and all of the science that they did to justify this was all fraudulent and they said we need to specifically fix this food pyramid, but before we do, we need to do an industrial and economic impact study to see. And then unfortunately, for the last 50 years, they've gone and built all these industries revolving around that rubbish food pyramid, so they didn't change it. So they've come back and said, look, we acknowledge all this is bad, it's gone really bad, however, you know, the poor, we've, we've gone and built you know, sugar mills everywhere so now. So money and, over health. Yeah, money over health, and then basically saying that, yeah, we, we can't change it now, it's too late. And the whole demonizing of fat, you know, this, this, you know, just saying the illusion of if I eat fat, I'll get fat. Yeah. yeah that one, yeah. that lie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what bugs me next, I can see the next one that they're already working on is saying that, you know, the biggest nutritional deficiency in Western society is fiber. It's not fiber. It's what, well, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, this is Do the thing. Tell. Fiber, like fiber holds all the polyphenols. Fiber holds all the vitamins and minerals. So, yes, fiber from whole foods is deficient because of the way we've changed our foods and bad uh, food choices and processing techniques and that sort of stuff. But my fear is it's that little waving this hand over here to avoid this one. If you let the big farmer guys, you let these the, the soybean farmers and all that. So this time it was a F farmer, not a pH farmer. But the F farmers, mm. if you let these guys just convince you that fibre is the deficiency, then what we're going to get is bleached, sterilised fibre as a byproduct from the same sugar industry that we're, we're cracking up about. They're going to give you pure fibre. It's not going to have any of the phytochemicals in it. It's not going to have any of the polyphenols or all those other nutrients because they got all the flavors, they got the colors, and they're not going to they want to be easier just to send you some pure, dissolvable, soluble, clear fiber that we won't even know we're drinking. And it's going to be the worst thing because it's going to stimulate the growth of the bugs that we've yes, already got. That's what I'm realizing as you're saying it. I'm yeah. linking it back to the start of our exactly. conversation. Exactly. It's like putting yeah. fertilizer yes. on those weeds. So forget about the grass seeds. We're throwing fertilizer on the buggers. The weeds are going to go off. They're going to thrive. How are we ever going to get rid of them if we're just directly feeding them with fiber that will indiscriminately feed the bugs? But it's very specific fiber infused with phytonutrients, phytochemicals, polyphenols, vitamins, minerals. All that stuff is supposed to be in the fiber. That's why mum yeah, yeah, says you eat the yeah, peels. Yeah, you know, yeah, all the best stuff's in the outside. You don't just peel and throw that away. That's where all the stuff is. So that's where all the good nutrients are stuck in the fiber. So if they trick us into thinking it's fibre, not all the things that come with fibre, then next thing you know, we're all going to be just eating bleached fibre that's going to be um, fortified into all of our same cereal foods. So they can go and tell us to eat cereal again, fortified with rubbish oh, fibre. God, that just I, makes me feel physically sick. Yeah. yeah. And you have a look at uh, what's the sugar content of Meso Metamucil. Yeah, what like is it? 30%? Or something? Yeah, is it? I haven't even bloody looked. Like I looked yeah. in there and I'm thinking, why would people take this? And I looked, you know, this, it was like 35 bucks for this big, Yep. tub of it, and I looked and I thought, 
Oh my god! Why? Yeah, just eat well. There's another one. Like you've seen Benny fiber as well. So the key, the, the yeah. fame with Benny fiber is that it's actually a synthetic, larger sugar molecule, but it doesn't. It's clear. It dissolves perfectly. You don't even know you're having it. We've already gone so through. You go through the shoppers into yeah. having it with the chicken well, nuggets. But you see, like, oh, we get high fiber white bread. You know, uh, so we got yeah. all the high fiber white bread stuff and everything. That's what I'm talking about. They're going to go and just trick us into thinking that we can go and infuse this highly processed long sugar chain in with their other sugar chains, and everyone's going to be thinking we're going to get healthy. Then another fifty years of time, they're going to go. No, it's, it was the bloody vitamins and the polyphenols that was in the fibers and the peels and the carbs that did all the things. So the answer you know? to that <clears> is don't be lazy and look for the shortcut. Eat whole foods. Yes, yes, yes. And also, if you want to eat whole foods with effective levels of fiber, then uh, sorry, polyphenols, and you need them to be fresh. With skin on? Yes, with the skin on and mm. that sort of stuff, preferably. I mean, that's why you can get a lot of products. You know, I've made products over the years where I go and get plant extracts made from the peels and the skins and all the stuff that typically gets thrown away. They're often byproducts from the juicing industries. So they're squishing all the sugar and that juice out to give to everyone for their juice fasts. <laughs> but the actual medicine we make out of the pulp and the peels that's left over. So that's the stuff that does all the work. Yeah. So really to keep it simple <laughs> as far as nature really provides us with all the answers. Yeah. So when people say, you oh, know, I've seen this and I've, I've seen this supplement and it's, you know, big detox across the label and if I do this and I donate for, and I just have juice and all this sort of thing, I just, I say to them, just let's have a look at your eating. Yeah. And they said, no, but I did it once and I lost all this weight. I said, but you stopped coffee, alcohol. And when I say coffee, a great big, you know, milk latte, like half a litre of the stuff a day. And it's like that and just slow everything down yeah. and like eat mindfully. So all of these things that are really – they get lost in this whole noise in the whole nutrition, blah, 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 yep. to be able to just soften it down, say plenty of vegetables, good quality meats if, you know, you're an omnivore, mm -hmm. and not go for the quick fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a clean. It's a matter of avoiding the toxins that might be driving up that phase one and then just, you know, so all of those things, you know, the caffeines, the alcohol, like I said, you could avoid all that sort of stuff, but if you don't manage your stress or posture, then you're still body thinking you're in a survival mode. Yep. I threw the posture in for you because I knew you'd like that. <laughs> um, but no, but it's, it's so true. No, but it's so true. Exactly and I'll true, tell you yeah. what, it's yeah. one of the most underappreciated. It's probably the easiest thing to point people out to that they can take control of straight and away. it's free. But it's one of the <laughs> most underappreciated things because honestly, your brain has no idea what's happening. It's just collecting data and trying to pick up on you and your vibe to see if it's in trouble or not. So you guys got to be like a bit more chill is probably a detox as well. Isn't it know? interesting that pretty much throughout our entire program, everything that you're saying about detoxing, it all comes back to that one principle of slowing things down. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. it. Oh, and exercise and that sort of stuff. Like remember I mentioned that toxins go into your lymphatic system? Yes. So your lymph, what your lymph actually is, it's the gap, it's the... We know bugger all about lymph, to be honest. I think we know more about outer space than lymph. <laughs> um, That's a big oh, statement. Mate, no, I reckon it's, well, we've just done our genome, we've done the microbiome. I reckon someone sooner or later has got to start looking at our lymph because that's where all the magic's happening and we know so little. So the lymph is all the water outside of our cells. So anything that's going to go from our blood to our cells, anything that's going waste, so good stuff coming in, waste coming out, 
a lot of that immune activity, a lot of our cell signaling, so much of our body systems, priorities, um, the, it's a lot of it's controlled by these big lines of fascia that control these big water channels. It's like, it'd be like just as important as the river and irrigation systems of the planet Earth. You know, like if we can't understand how rivers and creeks and all that, so this is us. Like this is, it is so important, this part. I think it is probably the most misunderstood, and I don't know why we know so little about it, but considering everything, we, we know so much about inside of ourselves, you know, so much about our blood, so much about our organs, but this weird stuff in between, this the God particles or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's this yeah. space. It's like the so most fascinating things in the society are the things that are just these big spaces we don't understand. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. It's the extracellular yep. fluid, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that, is it osmosis that brings, yeah. so that, that Yeah, pressure. we're looking at osmosis, we're looking at diffusion, we're looking at all the, everything. Wow. It's just weird. This is yeah. where it's almost like, like where... You know, like people can find it sometimes easier to understand chemistry than physics. Yes. You know, so it's like this yeah. is where like the physics, this is where we got a lot of shifting between positive and negative charges. Right. And if you really consider that the inside and the outside of our cells, whether our cells are going to be plump like grapes or ma- mangled like a sultana, determines whether we've got a positive or negative charge on the inside and the outside of these walls. Yes. The whole Krebs cycle that generates our energy is all about just getting electrons to go to just create a spike in hydrogen ions so that way we can get a quick shift in positive and negative charges. And then we look at everything. It's like all of our minerals. Everything, once it's dissolved, it's either positive or negative. You know, So everything's broken down between these electrical systems that are controlling the shifting between these membranes and the cell signaling. I mean, maybe that's where cramps. I spoke for three hours with an anatomy physio, that Dr. Mike Trudorovich from the Griffith University, absolute brilliant guy, anatomy physiologist. Mm-hmm. You should get him on your podcast. He's so great. Oh, we'd love him. Um, he's brilliant. Um, but we spoke for hours of what the hell is a cramp? And yeah. this is the anatomy physio. We just don't even, yeah. like, we're sitting there going, well, what's this cramp? What's this cramp? Why do these cramps feel the same, but they're also bloody different triggers and causes and yeah. treatments? And yeah. we're just like, what the hell is it? Is it a charge? Is it a fascia? Is it an extracellular fluid? Is it the muscle? Is it a neuromuscular junction? What is causing this? Or thing? is it all of the above? Yeah, and in different situations it is. Yeah. 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 So like, this why is, is it your hamstring? Yeah. Well, so the I'll hamstrings get, go. Yeah, like, yeah. Why that, does that one, that uh, big long bugger down there go right in the middle the of the night, but yeah. then, then, then yeah. the other ones only go when I'm using them. And you males know? tend like, to get them more than females, I believe, Yeah, but I don't get yeah. them at all. Yeah, you lucky bugger. They're I know, horrible but, things. Um, but Isaac I, gets them all the time. But, yeah. I, but I used to get them like full on. I, it was horrible like yeah. for six months until I learnt that had hiatusonia. Oh, yeah. And... Which is a hydrogen issue. Oh, it's a hydrogen okay. pump, just pumping too much hydrogen into there. That's yeah. what creates it, which is exactly what creates a cramp. cramp. Maybe you've got a hydrogen disorder. Oh. This is what we don't even know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just but then only have been, a hydrogen disorder. It's but, two parts of your water. And always <laughs> drinking heaps of water. And, yeah. and But it's, Sorry. for me, yeah. it's just been chugging down heaps of magnesium yeah. and settling this this esophagitis from the... Yeah. Um, and then the coal the, yeah. miners, when I did yeah. study on the coal miners, the magnesium didn't work. It had to be sodium, and then it worked beautifully. Yeah. So, so everyone's so different. Everyone's yeah. different. Yeah. And, yeah. and we haven't talked about potassium. Oh, my God. So this is what happens with when we start our conversation. <laughs> but what I, was, what I was actually going to say about lymph yeah. is lymph doesn't even have a driving force behind it as such. You know, so like our veins, we have the arteries coming down, the veins coming back. The only way to clear our lymph is through exercise. I was going to say, because that's when Muscle people, contractions. When people say, oh, I need to lie down, 
I just I said at least get up and go for a walk if you're feeling unwell yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Get your lymphatic system. Yes. Yeah. Get, it's because cool. it doesn't it, it doesn't have uh, you know the heart to exactly. So even dry skin brush, it's got these like little valves that's supposed to stop it from going the other way. But yeah, you know, so we, we can get momentum going. But seriously, yeah. if you're not exercising, you're not moving, and you're spending too much time sitting, and you know these are the things. And the 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 thing about the lymph. Like I've been doing some research on it regarding the brain and sleep and correct me if I'm wrong here because they talk about it's like, no, the brain doesn't have a lymphatic system. They call it the glymphatic yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, from the glial cells. Yeah. Yes, and the only time that it really, where it's, I, in very simple terms, it's like where the cells put their bins out for the night yeah. is when we're in deep sleep. Yes. So if you don't sleep well you don't, your, or your deep sleep is inadequate, yeah. then you start to build up this amyloid beta plaque. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you how it works? Like I'd love it to. It is wicked. Yes. It's yeah. such a cool concept. So you know yeah. when we're asleep at night and going deep sleep yeah. and our cortisol levels drop. Yeah. Okay. So cortisol holds, increases our blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cortisol holds water in our blood. So in the middle of the night, our cortisol drops and now we get less water in our blood. We get less blood pressure in our head. So we get less squat. So what actually happens is all of a sudden we get the water that would normally be in the blood vessels that are filling up the brain. It actually goes through the cerebral spinal fluid and fills up the glymphatic system. Mm -hmm. And what actually happens is our water rushes into the glymphatic system and fills up our brain with water. Now, our brain is like a sponge. And so what's actually happening in that instance is the more water that's in the glymphatic, the more it squashes the brainy tissue. And then the brain tissue, like a sponge, squeezes all that crap out into the water. And then, so the water drains. So we need wow. the drop in cortisol. So that's why we need a really yeah. deep sleep where we get that low cortisol, getting away from the inflammation mm-hmm. and that, to actually drop the blood pressure in our head to allow the water to fill out. Because your skull doesn't move much. Mm. And our brain is a certain size, but the brain is full of holes, so we can just squeeze it and like a spongy thing. So it's like squeezing out the brain and hydrating it. And that's why I think it's important. I think that's why we move a lot too. It's I think it's important to move a lot when we sleep because we've got to remember the posture, all that then has got to drain down through our neck yeah. to clear us away. So Is that why if you have a really deep sleep and you feel like you didn't move, Yep. The whole time, you feel so yeah. stiff and sore. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And then also, too, because cortisol is also anti-inflammatory. So when your cortisol drops in a really deep sleep, then all your inflammation picks up. You know, so you wake up a little bit stiff and sore in oh, the morning. Oh, wow. And then like you're supposed to get a big cortisol spike. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good cleanup. It goes in and does all the cleanup. And while you're asleep at night, if there's any bugs or any horrible stuff that you've got to go through, and I do it while you're asleep. The human yeah. body is such a turn on, I've got to say. It's yeah. wicked, eh? Like, it is so yeah. brilliant that I'm just, whoa, oh, this is amazing. Talking and about the, the, the fluids and the brain and the, oh my gosh. It's yeah. a, bringing so back good. to the whole detox thing, that's why I say to people as part of your, when you go on, a, on, shall we say, the old detox protocol of just, you know, cleaning up your diet, take away alcohol, caffeine, anything that's going to drive that phase one too fast, mm. look at your sleep. Because if you're not sleeping well exactly. or if you are <laughs> snoring. Yep. Did that sound like a piggy sound? Yes, it did. That was a good snore. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Quality. Did you practice that earlier? <laughs> yeah, the last 10 years. <laughs> but, yeah, and, that, that, and I really wanted to get your take on this, like snoring, mm-hmm. then your, your deep sleep is not going to be as good. And I've, I've done a stack of research, and basically they found that people 
who snore, who mm. get sleep apnea, yeah. their all-cause mortality is goes up hugely. Oh, like you yeah. die much earlier and of every crap disease. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, you can't – the biggest problem with trying to get into a deep sleep and get that cortisol levels down and all that sort of stuff is actually not having stress signals running through your body when you're sleeping. So, you know, while we're sleeping, finally we're getting away from some emotional stress and that sort of stuff. But often if we've got an inner ear problem, for example, and you close your eyes and your ankles are off the ground and you're, you're floating around in space and your ears don't know where you are, you can be panicked. That's a very common cause for sleep problems. But if you've got inflammation, you've got old arthritis, you've got hormonal deficiencies and all hormones around you, inflammatory. So you get those sort of things. And basically your immune system and your inflammation create stress at night when you're asleep. Yeah. And that stress when you're sleeping raises your cortisol. So then mm. you never get into it. And when you raise your cortisol at night when you're sleeping, it holds fluid around your internal organs because it doesn't know what your stress is. And that's what contributes a lot to that sleep apnea. It's a big vicious cycle. And so with the, yeah. the, and the snoring, your mouth breathing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, which is the big, and big stress. And you get, hold fluid around your diaphragm, which stops you from doing the proper breathing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a massive problem, snoring and sleep apnea. Have you seen a couple of guys talking about, raising the end of your bed. I think Elon Musk was one of the ones that says he okay. does it. Yeah. They just prop it up a little bit. And my other mate, Lucas um, Anon, does a cool ergogenic health podcast. He talked about this raising the bed thing once. It just Everyone went crazy doing it. Just um, even a, a flat mattress? Yeah. Or are you talking about one talking of the ones just, that bend? I think it's like about five centimetres, just two inches or something. Just And what's it do? Um, basically what it does is it just reduces the amount of uh, blood that gets to your head. It gives a chance for your glymphatic system to work better. So actually just raising the end of your bed, not dropping it, but raising it, actually allows the I mean the head end, not the foot Yeah, the head end. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking the foot end. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the head head end. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you just sleep on an extra pillow or something? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. But that's what they're raising the the bed. They're just raising it. And there's some cool data on it that actually shows it changes brain-derived neurotropic factor, a few other little things that help to actually improve your brain. Wow. Yeah, and I reckon it's a good thing. There's a few relatively smart people that have pumped out and said it's something that they actually do and they find it works for them. I think I'm going to give that a go. It's another one of those easy ones yeah. that we could just yeah. do, you know. And what, no, we got we got to find a use for our phone books now. Finally, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it bothered me what a waste of paper. I know. <laughs> yeah, just your doorstops. Oh, one thing I wanted to add because I don't. I, Sometimes people have said, you, you come up with a problem, it's like, but you left us hanging. Oh. With No, not you. <laughs> no, sometimes with when we're talking, Tink and I, so with regard to snoring, it's a massive issue and there's no one fix because what I found, it is so emotionally driven. I've talked to clients where they, I've asked them about their husband snoring and it's keeping them up and driving them crazy. And I said, tell me if he snores when you go on holiday. And they're like, I'll check it out. Or they already know. They go, no, it doesn't snore at all. I say, okay. So zero snoring when he's on holiday. So then something needs to be addressed about the work situation and all of what he's doing. And that's a whole other So that's part of detox. That's a whole whole other. But I wanted to let people know if you say, well, what do I do? Um, Go and see your GP. Go and see your naturopath, your health, the person you trust. Yeah, your dentist. Yeah, your dentist because it can be- Or do our program. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. The IX Experience online program. 
Yeah, do that. Now live. <laughs> so if Very we sexy sounding program, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even look at him now. <laughs> well, it will make you actually more sexy because your whole parasympathetic nervous system becomes more nourished and your oh, sympathetic nice. nervous system starts to settle down. So you look younger, feel younger, and, you know, the women will be more juicy and the man will be more woody. If you know what I mean. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, that's always a good thing. I'm glad we made eye contact through that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so just as a full stop on snoring, yeah, we will get a very experty person who that specialises oh, in yeah. all that because um, it is a huge area and there are a myriad of solutions, but it's very individualised. Just yeah, like yeah. diet and detoxing and the microbiome it's there's no one size fits all no and yeah. it's the sort of thing you need friends to help you with yeah because if you ask me i do not snore i've never heard myself snore baby i do i do I i've woke myself up <laughs> snorting i've done Have that you? especially when i've had a couple of drinks i've yeah. definitely woke myself up i use the because i'm a light sleeper I actually no like i have fallen i've yeah. heard myself snore before i've even fallen asleep i must do it yeah sleeping. i've i've heard myself do that i've never I've, heard it when i'm sleeping though yeah, but your partner will tell you. <laughs> Funny about that. <laughs> and then, but you, you can wake yourself up doing... Oh, You're very yeah. gifted, Matt, but not yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Astral projection. Look at I've him had, snoring. I've had one of those dreams, actually. What's that? But that's a whole other well, conversation. You watched yourself snoring. Yes. Oh. No, I, I actually travelled oh, and there was wow. a silver cord and I tra- it was when I was a child and it's so clear to me to this day. Oh, wow. The dream, yeah. Oh, that's right. I have so many crazy drinks. We we can't start talking. Oh, I had a crazy one last night. So many inventions (laughs) come to me. But man, seriously, no, you got no idea. Like I have these weird dreams every once in a while, Mm -hmm. and so wanky. Like it's funny, (laughs) but I'm like at an award ceremony, and like you know we're all wearing tuxedos, (laughs) and like it's very swank, you know, very flash. Mm -hmm. And like we're around, I was sipping wine. There's fireplaces and stuff like that. So we're obviously in a place full of millionaires, Mm -hmm. very very special people. You know, leather bound books and rich mahogany. Fill the room. And then, um, and, but what's funny is we'd be just chatting to these people in my dream and I'll, and I'll be like, ha, 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 that product never worked until I added the kelp. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, and I'll be triggering my thing. And this will be me in my dream world, you know. And then I'll be like, oh, ha, ha, like, and until I did the pomegranate peel extract, it just did not work. And then I'll be, and I'll be like waking up and I'll be like, there's no kelp in that product. What a weird dream. And then I'll be like, why would I do And then I'll research it. Oh man, I need kelp in this, and then I'll put it in, and then it would work better. Oh, and I used to have messages. Yeah, I'd have those weird ass things. So I'd have these stupid dreams. I just love that so you're now, posh in yeah, the dreams. Yeah, isn't it yes. funny? Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I'd have this really wanky laugh, and I hold my drinks differently. But you remember the dream because yeah, it's so it's wanky. Oh, and they're always the same. And I wake up yeah. in the morning, and go, "What a strange dream! I just dreamt this." And I don't even have that in my program. Maybe I shouldn't have got to look at it. And every time it's like something gold. Mm. And I actually do it now to the point that if I have the dreams, I'll just kind of like do it anyway, thinking my dreams, me, might be hell of a lot smarter than real me. I was yeah. just told the other day by a yeah. very accurate psychic yeah. who wants to come on our podcast yeah. that I need to start writing down my dreams. Yeah, yeah, mm. do it. Well, I have a thing. I have I write them down. And I have weird notes because often you forget, you know. So like you put it into the note thing on your phone or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, just... 
speak yeah, it because yeah. like you, and then and then you, then you forget it's there. And so every once oh, in a while yeah. you'll go through the notes <laughs> on your phone. And you go, well, that's a good idea. I don't even remember coming up with that. Yeah, or like, what the hell is this? Because don't forget, it'll often spell check it as well. So sometimes my weird ass word will turn into some random phrase. You know, it's like it'll turn my yeah you know, echinacea augustifolia into like a <laughs> echoes in the wind tonight. Or something. It's just like what the hell, Siri? What does that <laughs> so maybe good old pen and paper. Yeah, that'll help. I can't read my writing. So. Well, you've got a problem. Though. I have problems, all sorts. <laughs> all right, so that that's uh, pretty much summarises talking about dreams. Yeah, weird, huh? <laughs> dreams from detox to dreams. I don't know how we got there. Well, sometimes people they will report when they do a detox, they get crazy dreams. Well, this so. is true. Oh yeah, your lactic acid. Oh, the athletes, you're more lactic acid. You get crazy, stupid dreams or yeah. lactate. Well, let's summarise because there's a common denominator throughout both the fat loss and the detox conversation, and that is whole foods. Start cleaning up your nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Avoid the crap. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Don't don't overdo things like, you know, the stimulants, caffeine, alcohol. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're better off avoiding toxins. So when you're looking at detoxification, you're better off avoiding toxins than overloading on a on a celery juice or a lemon product or a like eating more of a thing is probably not the answer to a detox. It's about eating less of the bad things and not thinking that one size will fit all. I mean, there, we can get very specific into detox with specific ingredients, you know, like one of the most famous ones would be coriander and that sort of stuff. It's one of the most potent ways and chlorella. So there's a lot of foods you could increase to support detoxification, but we have organs and that, that do that. And if you have base, good base nutrition, they're capable of doing those things. And it will, if you uh, do fix your gut microbiome mm. by eating those good quality foods and it assists the detox, then a natural outcome of that could be, if you've got the ratio right, body fat reduction. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, a healthier person, you'll get positive adaptations. But still, you won't get that body fat reduction unless you've got that calorie deficit. And so you still need to be doing all that hard work and that sort of stuff with your exercise and diet and that sort of stuff. You can't just think that you're doing a detox and you see the scale change, that there's fat loss. Yeah. Yeah. And work with a coach to measure and monitor. Yeah. So you know what's changing when you get changes. Yes. That's probably one of the most most valuable things about a coach or a naturopath or any healthcare provider is someone that's qualified to measure and monitor your progress and so they can advise you whether you're getting better or worse. Because it's all an adaptation game. We just don't know whether we're adapting positively or negatively. Oh, I like that summary. Halfway through it. Yeah. Mm, okay. And, Perfect. And trust that, pardon the pun, gut feeling yep. when, say, you know, you'd be seven o'clock at night and think, I haven't eaten. I don't need to. Mm. It's like, I've got this habit. No, I, I need to eat and I need to do this. Say, no. Yeah. I don't need to eat because I'm not hungry and, and my body is telling me I don't need this right now. I and don't conversely, need if you have eaten and then you get these bizarre specific cravings, then you go, oh, it's a little bug. Don't yeah. fall for it. Mm, don't fall instead. for Give it. Give him some garlic when he's expecting a lolly. Mm, knock, him, <laughs> knock him out, the little bugger. <laughs> so you can imagine this little angry kid. Yeah. Going, I want a lolly. And like, have some raw garlic. Oh, sucker. yeah. Oh, man. Tanty, we don't tanty have time city. for this joke, but I know, but it reminds me of a joke. I'll tell you this later. My dad told me with how to get rid of worms. Have we got time? Or yeah, bring it on. There's a dad. My dad's dodgy North Queensland guy. <laughs> so he talks about, um, so he's this, you got, to get rid of worms, you need a cream bun, an apple, and a hammer. 
And it's like, so what you do is every day you wave the cream bun around the butt and feed the cream bun to the worm. <laughs> and you do that for like four or five days. And then on the fifth day, you hold an apple there. And when he sticks his head out to ask for his cream bun, you hit it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, so, so just those weird things stick in my head that my dad tells me this bullshit. And I'm just like, oh, I don't believe it as a kid. Like, All right. Oh. <laughs> Very interesting story, Dad. Thank you for that. And then like 45 years later, I remember it. And now it's an analogy for how to kill off bugs. And don't fall for the trick. So when they're telling you to feed them a cream bun, give them an apple and a hammer. That's the summary. Ooh, <laughs> now, yeah. And the hammer, is, the hammer is the discipline. Exactly. And the I apple like is it. the polyphenols. <laughs> <laughs> if the peel, as long as you didn't peel it. So the next time we see you holding an apple at your butthole, we'll know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, bring a hammer. <laughs> I did wonder what you were doing with the cream bun the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, tri- I lured you in with the cream bun, I can tell. You better be careful if I'm waving an apple in front of you, you know what's coming. Where's the hammer? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thank you for another thanks, amazing Matt. conversation. Yeah, just it has been another <laughs> eye-opening and just the delve into the science, but the practicality of it that I know people are going to be able to say, now I know what I need to do regarding fat loss, regarding detox. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energized, pain-free life as you age? Jump into our free Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defy your numbers if you have any questions or ideas for topics shoot us an email at hi at agerebels.com stay tuned for the next episode of the age rebels revolution Mm -hmm.